Hello, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast, where we believe if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. My name is Mike Sadam, and I have a quick favor to ask before we get started on today's episode. If you could please subscribe to the podcast and review it, I'd greatly appreciate it. It'll just take you a couple of seconds to click that subscribe button and hopefully that five-star rating. Today, we get to talk to Kimberly Davis. Now, I am pretty excited to speak to Kimberly today. First, because I connected with her on LinkedIn a while ago and got to know her a little bit through that. But I've also watched her on YouTube, and she has a really great TEDx talk out there called What It Means to Be Brave. So I would take a look at that if you get a chance. And she's also written a book called Brave Leadership. Now, this book is about how to unleash your most confident, powerful, and authentic self to get the results you need. Now, besides the book, she's not just an author. She also runs a program called Onstage Leadership. She teaches at Southern Methodist University, and the most important part is where she comes from because she's coming from the right place. She's coming from a positive place that fits in line with everything we talk about on the Crucial Talks podcast. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kimberly Davis to the Crucial Talks podcast. How are you doing, Kimberly? I'm doing great, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so great to be with you and your listeners today. Well, this is going to be pretty fun because I've talked on this podcast before about the power of emotions. And one of those emotions is fear and how it can keep us from doing things and how it can change our behavior and how we might even risk physical damage to ourselves just based on the emotion of fear. Right. But today it's pretty cool because we're going to talk about this positive reversal of fear and it's, it's being brave. But before we get into this topic of bravery, can you tell us just a little bit about your journey on how you got to where you are today and how you're able to use that journey to help others? Yeah, well, my, my background is probably quite different from many of the people that, that you've spoken to in the past. I actually uh, did theater for about 20 years. And after a very, very circuitous path, I ended up leaving the theater and moving into training and development. And at the time, I was a hired gun for another leadership company. We were doing leadership and engagement work. And, and um, I, I started... Uh, almost became a detective while I was in the classroom because I would observe the participants and, and get really curious about what was getting in their way of of being as powerful as they could be of of uh, of being showing up as authentically as they could and what I discovered as I was observing these participants in the classroom was that a lot of the tools that we had in the theater that would make a difference. Uh, to actors and being able to connect more authentically and powerfully were really tools that could apply out, off stage as well. And so um, I was running a, a session on engagement and uh, one of the directors of training uh, came into my room. He was observing my work and he heard me talk about my theater background. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to develop a program, a, a leadership program based on theater tools. And I said, well, you know, I've been noodling something over for years, but haven't had an excuse to develop it. And so we negotiated a deal where I would work directly with them. And uh, I put together this full day experiential program uh, for their high potential sales team. This was a big pharma company. And uh, I ran an open enrollment session of that in Dallas first to make sure it, it, it was okay, because it was a very unusual, very uh, non-traditional take on leadership. 
and uh, it went incredibly well. And then I did it for this pharma group and it went incredibly well. And that was about 11 years ago. And I have been doing this work ever since. And so uh, that's where on, the birth of onstage leadership started. And then uh, Southern Methodist University came and they, they observed, they came and participated in an onstage leadership program and said, they said, wow, this is fantastic. Can you do something like this for us, except for make it more academic. <laughs> and so <laughs> I redesigned programs that were, that would be uh, more appropriate for the academic audience. And I've been teaching with Southern Methodist University for their executive ed programs for the last eight years. And uh, so this is, this has become the work of my life. And as I started working on my book about, gosh, about six years ago, because uh, for me, writing a book was not an elegant, easy process like it might be for some other authors that you've spoken to. But for me, it was, it was a lot of work. And so about six years ago, when I started writing my book, I realized that uh, calling the book on stage leadership wouldn't mean anything to people. They would think, well, what's this about? And as I, as I started really digging into the conversation, I realized that the one thing that unites all people who are willing to show up as their true selves, their most authentic, powerful selves they're in the world and take responsibility for that, right? And, and show up constructively in that is their bravery. And so that's where I started really moving down the path of brave leadership. But the conversations in onstage leadership and brave leadership really are one and the same. And it's so interesting, Mike, that so many people, when they think of of using theater tools in a business context, they think, well, isn't theater all about faking it? Isn't it about pretend? And uh, it really is actually quite the opposite because the craft of acting is really about the search for truth. It's understanding those internal drivers for your character. What, what do they want more than anything in the world? What's the impact that they want to have? And, and harnessing your attention so you're focused on achieving purpose, on taking action to achieve purpose on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, which is what allows you to show up more powerfully and authentically on the stage. The byproduct of which is people are applauding. The byproduct is, is that, that people return to the theater and pay a lot of money, but it's a byproduct of the powerful actions you're taking that are connected to purpose. So that is, that is kind of the journey that has led me to the Brave Leadership Conversation. Well, and I think a lot of the listeners to this podcast get you because what we've talked about a lot is the fact that people are social animals but the, the one thing that makes us different from every other social being on the planet, doesn't matter if it's a gorilla or a dolphin or anything else, <laughs> the, the one thing that makes us completely different, it makes us super powerful, is the fact that we are social storytellers. So I think yes. that what is yeah. so cool and why I just couldn't wait to talk to you about this is the fact that you were a professional actor and you did use acting to kind of guide the framework of your leadership program and the fact that people are social storytellers and that storytelling is a way that we impact emotions and emotions lead to decision-making is really why I think the acting industry or the acting business or acting skills actually translate quite well because that is what we have done forever. And it's not the fact that we're, we're making up a story it's the fact that those skills, like you said, 
can bring out the authentic self and can actually bring out what we are truly feeling. Absolutely. I've, I've always believed that storytelling is our most powerful currency that we can use to reach the hearts and minds of the people that we need to lead and influence. So you're absolutely right. If we can connect through story, it allows people, allows us to take down our masks so people can see who we truly are and what truly motivates us and drives us. And it allows us to connect on a human to human level, which is going to be much more powerful than any other form of connection. That is awesome the way you put that. The connection through story, we can either control that connection or it's going to control us because there's, there's no middle road. It's either it's happening right. whether you want it to or not. And what I love about what you're doing is the fact that you give us tools to use that we actually have some way to guide that, that we have yeah. some way to, to adjust it and really to understand what's happening instead of just kind of you know, blundering through life or through leadership. Now you're giving us some, some concrete tools to use that can actually help us. And you said that, hey, we're, we're connecting people, we're harnessing attention, we're understanding internal drivers. And the thing we talk about a lot on this, on this podcast is about emotionally driven decision making. Yes. And one of the most powerful emotions within us is fear. I mean, I just did a podcast um, based on a based on a YouTube video and a podcast by Gary Vaynerchuk about risk tolerance and how we need to be able to take risks to move forward. And it really came down to a discussion I had on the podcast about fear. And yes. that's why I wanted to ask you, what does it actually mean to be brave? Because we all have fear. It's going to be there. So what does it mean to be brave? Well, so it's interesting, Mike, because I had to reframe bravery for myself. Um, if you look at the actual traditional definition of bravery, I mean, and this this blew my mind when I when I looked at this because I was always wondering why when I thought to myself, "Gosh, you know, I really want to be brave. I have to have this really hard conversation, or I have to put myself out there, or I need to do something in a new way." Please, you know, please God, let me be brave. And I would always feel a little bit like I, you know, wanted to vomit. Why isn't bravery supposed to be a good thing? Why, when I think about wanting to be brave, does it send my whole body in, in revolt? And uh, so the, the traditional definition of bravery is really being willing to face and endure danger or pain, which, you know, when you think about that, if you're going to focus on the danger or pain, of course, your body is going to go in revolt. All it's going to see is what might happen to you. I and mean, you might fail. You might look stupid. You like, might look foolish, right? And so uh, I knew for myself that if I were going to focus my attention on the danger and pain, it's going to stop me in my tracks. And I wouldn't be able to have the impact that I wanted to have in the world. And I wouldn't be able to influence. And you're not able to lead if you're focused on the danger and pain. Essentially, the danger and pain is a focus on yourself and your amygdala in your brain, which is your brain center for emotion management, its job is to keep you alive, right? So it wants to mitigate risk. Anytime it senses any risk, it's going to send the cortisol, which is the stress hormone flooding through your body to give you those physiological signals that you need to cut and run or you need to freeze, right? Or you need to fight. Um, but it's, it's designed to keep us alive, right? And so anytime we sense any kind of pain or danger, that's what's going to happen. Our amygdala is going to go, ah, send out the cortisol, and you're going to want to, to fight, freeze, or flee. And that's what it means to be a human being, right? Um, 
So what I've learned is as your, if your focus is on yourself, if your focus is on what people are going to think about you, if your focus is on not looking stupid or whether or not you're going to make a mistake or whether you're going to fail or what your boss is going to say or trying to prove yourself or impress other people, which is really all about you, right? If your focus is on yourself, really it's impossible to take your, your attention off the pain and danger, which is, means it's impossible for your amygdala not to get not to get jump into the party and, and cause some mischief, right? Which is going to send those physiological signals. It's going to want to stop you in your tracks from being as powerful and as authentic as you could be in that moment. So what I've learned is that we've got to, sh we've got to shift our focus. We need an alternate focus. And that if you can harness your attention, so instead of focusing on yourself and on the pain and danger, you can harness your attention and you can focus on purpose. It changes your game. So the way I define bravery is being able to be your best, most authentic and powerful self, right, um, in any situation. Because I believe that is the biggest challenge that we face. If you can be your best, most authentic and powerful self in the situation, you are showing up bravely. You're able to face and endure the pain and danger. But if you're focused on the pain and danger, you're not going to be able to do it. So for me, it, it started with reframing what it means to be brave. So I take my focus off of the pain and danger and find an alternate focus, which is a purposeful action, which is what I call your super objective, to, sh to harness your attention so you don't experience those physiological sensations and you're free to make the impact that you were there to make. You're free to do the hard things. You're free to put yourself out there in a new way. So I love that definition and not only the definition, but really the understanding behind it because you're not talking about changing the situation. And I know some people out there listening going, yeah, Mike, we've heard this all before because you've talked about it before in a different way. And really what we're talking about is you're not changing a situation. You're not changing an issue you're dealing with. You're not changing what you're going to be going through, but what you're doing is able to change your perspective. And by changing that lens, what you're saying is that changes your perspective on what you're going to be facing and allows you to be brave and by changing that focus now, you can be your most authentic and powerful self because you're kind of, I mean, you're not getting rid of the fear. You're not getting rid of this knowledge that danger exists, but because you're looking at a different target, you're, yes. not, you're not worried about that stuff I, as I, much. It's not showing up on your radar in the same way. So if you're focused on what might happen to you, then, then all the, everything, you're going to follow suit with that. Well, I might fail. I might, you know, I want to say the right thing. You're, it's going to be hard for you to be as articulate and powerful as you could. If instead, let's, you're focused on the impact you want to have outside yourself. So now, so for, for me, let's, let me give you an example. Um, for me as a podcast guest, right? If I'm focused on trying to impress you and your listeners, Mike, if I'm focused on trying to be, you know, perfect, if I'm focused on trying to be articulate and all of these things that you want to be when you're a podcast guest, right, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail miserably because it's going to be all about me. And all I'm, all I'm going to be thinking about is whether or not I'm going to fail or look stupid or all of those things. But if instead I focus on making an impact on you personally, and on each person that is listening to this, this podcast, it shifts my focus from myself to making an impact on you. So now I've taken the spotlight off of me. I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about you. 
I'm thinking about, so my, my personal super objective is to connect people to the best of who they are. So when I am speaking, when I am teaching, when I am a podcast guest, when I write every day, the only, the only, my only job is to connect the people I am trying to have an impact on to the best of who they are. That's it. That's my job. And now I've taken myself off of the, the hot seat and I'm able to do that more powerfully. There's, there's, a mil, there's as many super objectives in the world as there are human beings in the world. It's what drives each person on an individual level, what, what lights them up what's the impact that they personally want to have on their employees or on their community or on their customers or on their listeners or their readers or whoever it is that might be listening. What's the impact that they want to have, which is rooted in why they care. And this, this notion of super objective is to me really cool because we have talked about superordinate goals. I mean, that's uh -huh. didn't come from me. It came from social identity and group behavior, but how yes. a superordinate goal can bring in groups and out groups that would fight against each other and try to hurt each other. It could bring them to reach a similar goal, to collaborate, yes. to cooperate. And what's cool about what you just said is because I'm not really sure I've talked about it in this way before, but what's cool about your notion of super objective is you're taking that same idea, but now you're applying it internally to a person that allows them to now not be their own worst enemy. They're actually moving toward this bigger goal that transcends those negative things. Just like you do between in groups and out groups, you're kind of doing it inside yourself through this, this notion of the super objective. Yes. Well, and a super objective, so it's, it's, that, it's that nuance between goals and purpose, right? So a super objective is more purpose, and you would map your goals to your super objective. So for example, if I'm, if I'm to look at my super objective to connect people to the best of who they are, this is what I stand for as a human being. This is the work I'm here to do in the world, right? And then I would set my goals. I would map my goals to that. So what, what goals would I, would I set to connect people to the best of who they are. Well, I might get on podcasts. I might, I, I might write a book. I might give a TEDx talk. I might teach. I might speak. There, there's a lot of different goals. And then I would, I would set micro goals in alignment with those goals, right? But they're all mapped to what is the, the, the impact I'm here to have in the world, in my work. Well, and what's, what's pretty cool about that is, to me, it sounds like if you understand the super objective that you have for yourself, it helps you filter out what you're doing every day because everybody's so busy and there's so much stuff in social media and there's so many ways that we can engage with people. But if I filter it through my super objective, if I filter through the things I'm doing every day through this super objective, it's almost like... I get more purposeful. I get more focused. I'm able to more clearly see the path I want to go down. Is that what you've seen with absolutely, yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a fantastic filter for action. It's a fantastic guidepost for decision making. I, I use it also to get myself back on track because, you know, we're human beings, Mike, and we're going to find, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to mess up out there and we're going to take action that's not in alignment with our super objective. I mean, there are times when I do not connect people to the best of who they are. You can ask my, my husband and son. I'm sure they can give you lots of examples, right? But it's how do you get yourself back on track with yourself? With, so intrinsically, you are, you are in alignment with 
who you truly are. And you're, you can hold your, your own feet to the fire. I think it is one of the, the most powerful tools for taking responsibility for your actions that there is to make sure, am I walking my talk or is this just a good, am I just talking a good game? Because we all like the way we sound when we say these nice things. This is what I stand for. You, you hear all of these, these leaders, oh, you know, I want to inspire my people. I want to inspire my people. Um, but as soon as they don't hit their numbers, they're like, yeah, but if you don't hit your numbers, heads are going to roll. Well, okay. How inspiring is that? right? So how do you make sure that your actions, your words and your actions are in alignment with who you truly are so that the people you need to lead and influence experience you as someone who's authentic? They experience you. And, and I borrow my, my definition of authenticity from Bill George, who I don't know if, if you know who Bill George is, but he, um, for your listeners, he is on the, the he, he wrote a book called you know, the authentic leader. So when you write the book called Authentic Leadership, you get to you get to be the guru for authentic leadership, right? But he also wrote a book called True North. He's on the faculty for the Harvard Business School of Management. He used to be the uh, CEO for Medtronic. Um, but the way Bill George defines authenticity is, are you genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief? And what I think is so powerful about that, Mike, is that... Uh, from a leadership and influence perspective, you don't get to decide that. You don't get to decide if someone experiences you as genuine, as worthy of trust, as reliance, as reliable, as believable, the people that you're trying to lead and influence do, right? So your words and your actions have to be consistent and congruent with who you truly are as a human being so that people want, so people experience you as someone who is genuine, as they experience you as someone who's worthy of trust, because your words and your actions are, are true to who you are, right? And the byproduct of that is that they want to be a part of what you're doing. They want to listen. They want to, they want to essentially follow, right? Not, you know, like a lemming follows, but they, they want to give their best. They're all in. Uh, you've connected to their heart, Instead, so they want, they want to follow instead of have to follow. And from a leadership perspective, particularly in a world that is changing as fast as ours is changing and is, it is uncertain and ambiguous and complex, uh, we need to be able to tap into the want of the people we, we need to lead and influence because want is the birthplace of, of engagement and joy and excitement and passion and commitment and loyalty and trust and all of the things that are going to make a difference to our organizations. You can't command want. That is something that is free for every human being to give up their own free will. Well, and what is cool about all that stuff you just talked about and what I noted is that, yes, the world is moving faster and things are going quicker and everything seems more fast paced. But what is super cool about all the stuff you're doing it's just like the stuff we talk about here on the podcast. It still fits and it still works because people internally, uh, biologically, cognitively, even though we have access to all these fast moving tools, we're still the same. We're still the same beings that we were when we were hunters and gatherers. And right. those things, I don't care if you get your feeling of trust from, a, from Twitter or from a Facebook group that it's happening virtually, but it's the same things that happen when we used to sit around a campfire and talk about our days and learn from each other. That's why this stuff still works. Right. Right. Absolutely. Now, because of, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about this super objective. 
are there any other, is there anything else besides a super objective, maybe one or two key takeaways that somebody could use as soon as they're done listening to you on this podcast that can actually change their level of authenticity or their level of brave leadership? What, what else could they do besides yeah. kind of understanding the super objective? So the, it's the first thing would be to start working on getting clarity around your super objective. So you can do that by asking yourself three different questions. One is who or what do you do you want to impact the most? So who, who or what do you care about? And, you know, we have a hard time giving ourselves permission to do this. We think we need to care about everyone equally and otherwise, otherwise we won't be able to do a good job. And that's, that's lovely, but it's not, it's not what's real. So when you, you think about what lights you up personally, you know, when you go to work, do you want to have an impact on the individuals in your team, just watching them grow on an individual basis and changing their lives from in, on an individual basis? Does that make a difference to you? Are you an individual to individual person? Or maybe you're a team person. Maybe you think about having this amazing team that works together. Or maybe you're even a, a bigger picture than that. You want to change your organization or your culture or your community. So getting clarity on what what really gives you the most energy and how that shows up for you is really important because then you can take focused, harnessed action around that. Um, and the next thing is, well, why do you care? Why do you care about this? Why do you care about the people you want to have an impact on? Why do you care about your work? Why do, why do you care about the service you provide? Why do you care for real? Not why does your boss think you should care? or your mom, but why do you personally care? What, what, what lights you up in the, in, in, in the inside? And then you take those two questions and you layer in what is the impact you want to have based on why you care. So if you can ask yourself those three questions, it will really get you to an actionable, an actionable um, super objective. A super objective has to be framed in active verbs using active language to put you on an active path. So whether it's to connect, to build, to, to create, to uh, lift up, to unleash, what is it, what, what, make sure you frame your super objective in active language so you can, it sets you uh, in taking constructive, powerful actions that are in alignment with you, who you truly are. So that's the one thing. The next, um, the next tool that is really easy, Mike, and I think anyone could put into practice very, very quickly is it, it's particularly useful when you find yourself in a situation where the stakes might be kind of high, but it's really useful pretty much any time, is to think about a situation that you've got coming up and imagine it in, in the past tense. So think about it as if it's already taken place. And think about it when it's already taken place. Imagine that it went as well as it could have possibly gone. I mean, it was just like fantasy great, right? Uh, this this really tough situation you know that you're going to have to face. It, it, it's turned out just fantastic. And I want you to think about the people or the other person that might be involved and think about how they might feel on the other side of this if it went as well as it could have possibly gone. How they might feel, how they might feel about you and how they might feel about themselves how they might feel about what's possible for them, or how they might feel about the organization, how they might feel for real. And then you also think about, well, if this situation went as well as it could possibly have gone, well, what would you like them to do? So how would you like them to feel? And then what would you like them to do following the situation if it went just fantasy well, right? And then you 
you use those two questions. How do I want them to feel? What do I want them to do? You use those two questions to inform your actions that you take when you go into that situation in real time, right? If you're thinking about how you want them to feel on the, outs on the other side of this and what you hope they will do on the other side of this, that will shift the way you show up in that situation, which will shift your results. So you won't go in, you know, so for example, if you, let's say you have to lay someone off, right? And let's say, you know, you hadn't thought about how you want them to feel and what you want them to do. Uh, you might go in, it's a hard thing to lay, lay, lay someone off, right, Mike? I mean, you, do we like to do that? No. no, that's a really uncomfortable, horrible situation. And we have our own feelings that we go in, you know, loaded with when we go into a situation like that. But if you're thinking about how you hope that person will feel, right, and what you hope that they will do, you're, you're less likely to, to say something that is going to destroy their dignity. You're, you're, less, you're more likely to make sure that they feel good about themselves when they walk out of that room, even if it didn't work out in your team or in your organization. You know, you're going to make sure that when they walk out of that room that they, you know, they do something positive instead of, instead of react in a negative, horrible reactive way, right? It will shift the way you show up in the situation, which will shift the way the situation unfolds. So those two things, the super objective and the feel do piece alone will transform the way you think about showing up in, in the situations that you face. What both of them require though is mindfulness on the outset. You just can't go in and, and, and pull these situations out of the thin air and hope that they're going to turn out the way you want them to turn out. It forces you to think about them in advance. And people are so funny, Mike, because they're like, oh, I just don't have time. I'm really, really busy. Neither of these things take a lot of time. You can do it, you know, in two to three minutes in, your sh in the shower in the morning or in, your, in the line at Starbucks you can, or on your commute to work, you know. How do I want them to feel? What do I want them to do? What's the impact I'm here to have? These are basic, basic questions, but they will transform the way you show up in the situation and thus transform your results. I love that because we've talked so much about social construction and how we construct reality with each other. But what this lets you do is actually construct reality within yourself and almost allows you to, by visualizing that, help you gauge how you're doing and also help you understand the path you're going to ultimately walk down. Uh, instead of just winging it. I mean, it really right. is. A, it sounds right. like a, an awesome tool. Now, before we let you go, because I know we're running short on time here, but I, I had this question kind of picked out because after, after hearing your, your TED Talk and understanding what you were going to talk about on the podcast about our, our internal drivers and how we can do better as an individual leader, on your TED Talk, you used a story about being a character in a play and, and having fear, but then yeah. becoming brave based on being with other actors. So even though we've talked a lot about the individual leader and ourselves and how we can do better, what I'd love to just have you talk about real quick before I let you go is how that, that being with other actors, being part of a group, being that, that really that social, that social being with other people, how that impacted your ability to overcome that fear just because you were with other people. 
Well, and so it goes back to that focus of attention piece, um, Mike. When, when I, in my TED Talk, when I, when I talk about it, I'm talking about an audition situation where I'm totally focused on myself and what are they going to think about me and maybe fa- failing and trying to impress people and all of those things, right? And it was, my focus was all on me. But what shifted it for me is being able to shift my focus outside myself into connection, to truly connect with the other actors on the stage. And that's what allowed me to, to, to let all of that go and to show up more powerfully. And I think, you know, we, we as human beings, we tend to think that connection's a nice to have, right? But I think that connection is, a, is an absolute have to have. I think we need to connect as if our life depended on it. You know, we have to raise the stakes for ourselves. And so often, you know, we're in conversation with someone and we're just, you know, chatting away and, and we're not thinking about, am I connected to this person? And when I, when I think about connection, connection forces you to, to step into empathy, right? It forces empathy in action because if you're, if you're there to have an impact on someone or someone, someone, you can't do that if you're not considering how they might be experiencing you. Right? You can't do that if you're not really curious, if you don't bring a curiosity of what is important to this person. And so a true connection is forcing you to pay attention at all times. Am I having the impact I want to have or am I, where am I not? And to shift how you're showing up so the other person will experience you as someone who is genuine, who is worthy of trust, reliance, and belief. And so from a group perspective, from a from connecting to other people, it's connection all on its own will transform. If you are truly focused on connecting and you raise the stakes, it will force your attention off of yourself and onto them. It will force empathy in action. It will force you to be more mindful of, of their experience so you can, you can show it more powerfully. But you're not thinking, but here's the thing, you know, so many people are looking for the, the magic pill, you know, just tell me what to do. This is not a technical thing. So, you know, I, I don't want people to t- think this, you know, as a, as I, I, I want to do this, I want to, I want to take my focus off of, off of myself from a technical standpoint. It's really getting clear on, on the impact that you want to have. These are, these are tools, not solutions. Does that make sense? Which means because they're tools you're using, every situation you're going to be in is going to be different. You have to, there's not going to be a magic pill that every time you use it, it's going to work the same because you're with other human beings. And so this is, this is really using a tool so it allows you to be present and mindful and powerful, but it is not going to be the magic bullet that if you do this it will give you perfect results every time because you're going to be with a different human being every time. And what they need from you to experience you as someone who is genuine and worthy of trust and reliable and believable is going to be different every time you show up with another person, right? Oh, that absolutely makes sense because what you're talking about is not this glossy uh, cookie cutter, buy off the shelf program that if you do A, B, and C exactly this way, it'll work the same way every time because you're right. We're dealing with human beings. That's how we get things done. And the only thing we can really control in those situations is ourselves. But that's why I love what you talked about because you're not talking about a technical approach. You're talking about building capacity to deal with other people 
through all of these things because you talked about super objectives and how it helps us look forward. You talked about how decision-making is emotional and how those emotions can impact what we do and how we overcome those negative emotions about how we're dealing with fear and risk and danger and all these things we're scared of. But then what I loved what you said when I brought up that story you you talked about in your TEDx talk was it's about connection and empathy so it's not only building the capacity to deal with our own stuff, but it really is building the capacity to increase our emotional intelligence, which is just a huge resource for people to use. And I think that that, that return on investment by understanding ourselves and then being able to use these tools to build the capacity to understand other people gives a lot of people just a, a high ROI by practicing this stuff. And the really the best thing about it is they can start doing this right, right this second as soon as we sign off from this episode. I mean, they don't have to wait. They can, they can do it right now. But even though they can do it right now, what I'd like to ask you <laughs> at the very end of here is what, what do you offer to people? So say they listen to all this. I know they're thinking it right now. Hey, we want to get more information. We can, I mean, they can go to your, your website about your book, which is braveleadershipbook.com or your onstageleadership.com website. But what more do you offer? I mean, you're obviously an author, speaker, uh, consultant. What do you offer through those different websites that people can, can reach out to you and how do they reach out to you mm-hmm. and what benefit can they get from that? Thanks so much, Mike. I really appreciate you asking that. Um, so Onstage Leadership is the main program that I deliver, and those uh, I offer those in Dallas and New York uh, on an open enrollment basis, as well as I do it for organizations internally. Uh, I, and uh, a big bulk of my work is also through Southern Methodist University's Executive Education Program. Their, their ed, executive ed programs are really fantastic. So my work would be a component of a Certificate of Leadership program. I do a program for Rising Latino Leaders, which their Rising Latino Leaders program is, is the best of its kind in the country. Um, so they've got some fantastic work. Um, and then you know, I wrote the book, I wrote Brave Leadership because the, uh, the programs that I deliver, they're not inexpensive programs. They take a, a, a big commitment because on-stage leadership is a full day out of, out of the office. And, and so, I mean, they, they, those are bigger commitment programs. And I wanted to be able to democratize this conversation, Mike, because I really believe that, that we are all far more brave than we know, and we can all make a positive impact. And I, I, from the work that I've done over the last decade, I've seen extraordinary, extraordinary uh, change in people in a very, very short amount of time using these tools. And so I wanted to make these tools available to everyone uh, if possible. And so that's why I wrote the book is, is to democratize the conversation. So in the book, there's actually a whole section in there on how to develop your super objective. So it's not a mystery that I leave, uh, leave for you to discover. If you come to onstage leadership, I'd love, to, I'd love for you to come to onstage leadership, but you don't need to. Uh, I've got a, an entire workbook area in, in brave leadership. So you can work through that and identify that and start taking action around your super objective right away. Because what I know to be true is that when you can clear, be clear on the impact that you want to have, once you can name it, you can do something about it and you will start seeing change in your life right away. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly. So I'm going to put links to those websites 
in the show notes. You can't miss a book if you're if you're scrolling around uh, Amazon or anything like that. It's called Brave Leadership. It's got a white cover, real big brave and red writing and some darts on there. You cannot miss it when you see it. Uh, it's gotten some great reviews. Uh, I would I would recommend it. So take a look at those two websites, braveleadershipbook.com and onstageleadership.com and try to connect with Kimberly. She's got a ton of good information because I know I really enjoyed this interview. I got a lot of benefit from it. And really, as cool as it is, all of this stuff still fits with everything we're trying to do through the Crucial Talks podcast from self-transformation, improving ourselves to improving our workplaces. It all fits, which has made this just a great interview. So if you have a chance, if you can please visit the Crucial Talks website at www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me, I'd appreciate it. And again, if you could just click the subscribe button, give it a quick five-star rating, that would really help out. And share it with your friends and your coworkers if you think it's it's beneficial to them because there's there's interviews like this. And geez, even the people you work with, just listening to Kimberly for this little bit of time, I really think we can improve our workplaces, our teams, our organizations, our relationships. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.